0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you again, and I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm recording this through Zoom, so hopefully I can show some pictures of some certain things here. So we're going to all pray that that works this morning, but it's great to be with you all again, and I'm really looking forward to being in person and not through this uh, video on the next one. But there's three things I want you to know about me first as to why um, I chose this hymn as uh, something that speaks to me and something that has been really relevant, especially in the last several years for me. Um, the, 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 the hymn, My Soul Cries Out, is something that uh, has a lot to do with my work with Raw Tools, but also kind of my personality. Um, I'm what I call an extroverted introvert, or maybe I'm an introverted extrovert. I'm not really sure the right way to do that, to say that, but I like I don't mind being around crowds, but I don't want to be the attention in those crowds very much. Um, I'm not also not very kind of openly expressive and I'm sure there's a connection there some somehow. I am also a terrible singer. It's not good. Uh, My voice still cracks. Maybe that's why I was a youth pastor, because I felt like I could fit in more. I even, if my wife is gone and I'm putting the kids to bed and we also sing Healer of Our Every Ill as kind of a bedtime song, that was almost a hymn I picked. But when I start to sing it, my kids tell me to stop and wait till mom gets home and she'll sing it like an encore afterwards. So uh, I know I'm not a good singer. It's really hard for me to hold a tune. Um, And I'm also a bit of a pyro fanatic. So I don't think I'm a pyromaniac, but I am definitely a fan of fire. Um, I still have kind of that curiosity of kids when they go camping. We just took a a camping trip. And so uh, thinking about this sermon and watching my son pick up little sticks around the campfire and throwing them into the fire just to see what would happen and asking me if he could put his paper plate in there afterwards and the eggshells in the morning. there's this curiosity about fire but also I had a wood-burning fireplace in our house growing up and it's something that has always calmed me so I'm not so much wanting to throw all kinds of random things or making big big fires but fire is really really appealing to me and all of these draw me to My Soul Cries Out. It's a song that kind of gets me out of my comfort zone so when I'm in a church and we're singing it as a group I feel like I can sing because my horrible voice kind of gets lost in there with everybody else's Um, but I'm also uh, drawn to this idea of um, the fires of justice burning and I think that appeals to kind of this activist uh, I guess side of me That there's something going on and active in the world, and that fire is kind of uh, this unpredictable force, and it reminds me a lot of my experiences with how God works in the world. Um, My love of fire was reignited when I learned how to blacksmith, so uh, we could do raw tools. And but before that, I was a youth pastor, Um, I started as a youth pastor in a church that had just moved into a new building. It was a um, uh, kind of this um, sanctuary on one side and then a long hall of classrooms. And at the end of the classroom hall were two youth rooms and both of those weren't quite finished yet. And so part of my work with the youth was getting to finish some of that. They got to choose the color on the wall and they started painting and we kind of got all the way up to the edge right before the ceiling tiles and we stopped there. One, because that's about as far as we could reach, but also we needed to kind of go back and do that trim work. Well, uh, as we were kind of painting the walls, one of the youth uh, kind of got some others and instead of trimming it nice and neat right up into the ceiling, they started drawing fire at the top. So you walked into this room and it was red, almost like a a cherry red uh, that you might see on kind of like a a hot rod. So it was kind of an in your face red. But then when you put the fire at the top, it had this interesting uh, reaction from the rest of the congregation. And there were a lot of people who didn't like it because their notion of fire meant hell. And it was this great learning experience for the youth. And I think part of the church too, that um, we get to have these different interpretations of scripture, but also that these youth had a, a completely different take on what fire meant for them. And so we spent a lot of time talking about refining fire, um, but also it created this beautiful space for the youth to create kind of this um, this place that they could call their own because they had some creative input into it. And so in a way, that was kind of God's refining fire at work, shaping this space to what it wanted to be for those youth. There's... Uh, different lines in this hymn that I really love, and they reflect to so many different pieces of scripture throughout uh, the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament. Um, My favorite line is, my heart shall sing of the day you bring, let your fires of your justice burn. And I think I like this so much because it reaches out to Mary's song, the Magnificat, about her rejoicing of the time when the proud are brought down and the tyrants and the kings are brought down from their high places and the poor will be fed. But I no longer see it because of this experience with the youth That these fires of justice as this eternal torment. I see it as an active fire, that God's refining fire is working amongst us to refine us and, and kind of our work in the world and how we interact with each other. I had a friend uh, give a, a sermon at a conference gathering for Mennonites in the Mountain States area. And she described this space between us as we work together as an interstitial space. And that, that's where the spirit works between us, kind of building off the idea of where two or more are gathered, there I am also. And then in that interstitial, interstitial space, I think that's where the fire of God's justice burns and helps refine us as we're constantly working together. Sometimes that fire is literal. I get to see that in my work with raw tools. But I also uh, think that that fire is kind of this, this space that's constantly moving and unpredictable, um, but something that we can have faith in as we move forward in carrying out God's work. And it doesn't mean that um, this isn't going to be, that it wasn't kind of hard that um, this refining isn't, it can be painful at times too. Um, But what we are being shaped into something. So when we think of refining fire, in my context with raw tools, I think of putting metal into a forge that's about 2200 degrees, pulling it out and hitting it on the anvil and constantly reshaping that. And it's really opened my eyes to how God is shaping us in our world today but it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean that real pain and hurt is happening every single day that we have to um, help each other through. But also, um, when it's us, that we have to somehow find courage, somehow find the will to keep moving forward each day. So when we talk about this refining fire, it's not some uh, cheap, easy fix. I'm a an, an, an Enneagram 9. And for those of you who um, are familiar with that will know that um, one of my tendencies is to want to try and fix problems too fast instead of sitting with it and dwelling with it. And I often reflect back onto the fire of the forge. When we put that metal into the forge, it, it takes time to heat. And then when you pull it back out, you only have so much time to hit on that tool to help Um, shape it into what it's becoming and it's a constant back and forth process that takes time and patience and so as we think about what a refining fire might mean in our lives um, that it's it can be a fun and positive experience but there's also just as much painful and um, uh, really hurtful experiences that people are going through uh, that we we kind of get the the lot of that uh, through our life so Um, The forge process has really been what makes this song so meaningful to me. So I want to tell you a little bit about it. And I want to bring up this picture. I'm going to share screen here and and see how it works here. So this is a picture of our anvil setup. And you'll notice here that there's all these little uh, kind of Uh, Flakes of steel that come off at every time we hit the the tool that's been in the forge, you can see it's almost orange and white hot, really, and it falls down off of the anvil. So when we talk about refining fire, all these impurities are falling off the metal and it's constantly be being made stronger. So as we go through the fire, not only is the fire something that uh, refines us and burns some impurities away but also as this metal is being worked, it's actually getting stronger. So if you think of like the grains of wood, when you look at a piece of wood, um, metal also has that. And as we keep hitting on that, we make this metal more dense and more dense, especially as those impurities burn away. So it continually gets stronger and stronger as we work it. One of the cool things that a blacksmith showed us in our network, these little white, pieces that you see, they're kind of peachy looking down here at the bottom of the anvil are actually frankincense. And so it's this really great texture that has been added to this process that also harkens back to uh, the frankincense and the gifts brought to Jesus at his birth. So when this hot slag falls off, it hits this frankincense and you get this smell. So if you're within about six feet of this anvil all the way around, you can smell the frankincense coming off. Not only does it remind us that the impurities are being borne away, but it also reminds us of the gift of Jesus in our lives and how he's showing us another way. And then to go back to Mary's song, it's something that has also been a big part um, of my, my own understanding for what justice might look like. This idea of um the kingdom being here but not yet and in the my soul cries out it's the world is about to turn but it hasn't turned yet and this isn't some of those cheap easy fixes but when you recognize these little turns you recognize that uh you're either standing on holy holy ground like moses at the burning bush another place of fire And I see this in restorative justice. It's not an easy process. A lot of people feel like um, when you're starting to introduce restorative justice, as opposed to kind of our traditional system of justice, that it it might be some cheap way out. Um, But as I've participated as a community member, as facilitators in these processes, it's really repairing a harm uh, amidst your peers, which means that you're in this circle of people and trying to figure out together how you can repair this harm. And it's really a place, especially as an offender, where you have to be vulnerable. But then also as victims and community members who are affected by a harm that might have been caused, everybody has a bit of a vulnerability in that circle. So there's a lot of trust that has to happen. Not only is the restorative process um, hard, many of them would say it's harder than um, a punitive system where you go to prison for a short time or a long time, um, but you're never really forced to reckon or deal with what um, might have occurred. And so when you're in this circle of um, your community members deciding how to deal with this harm, there's just vulnerability that you're going through. And it really reminds me of the place of this hot tool that's sitting on that anvil, that it's vulnerable to outside influence. And so when we surround ourselves to folks that we want to influence us, they're like that hammer shaping us into the tools that we get to be. Um, when we when we named raw tools, it was it was my wife's idea, but it was the idea of turning war and flipping it around. So really, the motivation to name it came from just turning war around. But when we later we realized that you know raw is also a reference to How we get to move into the world in this vulnerable state when we actively look for peace and making justice. And so there's this kind of double sided, um, double meaning for raw tools that we didn't intend, but as we do the work, we realize how meaningful it can be for us. And that God is working to upend the systems that oppress us. The yearning and Mary's song, and My Soul Cries Out, has echoes in each other. They both talk about. The kings and the tyrants beware, and that every mouth will be fed, and that uh, my soul cries out and my soul magnifies the Lord. That deep within us, there's this yearning for something to change. And I believe that it's our work to work with God in making that change. So when we join God already at work, we begin to witness these turns, and we don't really plan or know when they might happen, but when we do see them happen, it is a holy place. And there are two instances that really come to mind for me. Um, one is the start, the first time that we kind of made this option available at some of our events. And I'm going to show you a picture again. This is Miss Cherie Ryan's. This is an event in Philadelphia that we did where three mothers came up to uh, the anvil. And at at different events, we have this opportunity for people to share their loss of a loved one to gun violence. And at this particular event, uh, we didn't plan it this way either, but there was um, a Muslim, a Jewish mom, and a Christian mom. Ms. Shree Ryan's here uh, identifies as Christian, but they each said something about losing their sons to gun violence. And afterwards, they were invited to go to the anvil and pick up the hammer and help us finish making a tool that would be presented soon after the event. And the first two mothers went through and they were silent. But as Miss Ryan's here picked up the hammer with each hit, as she hit the anvil, she said, This is for my son. And usually, we tell people that you can hit on the, on the, anvil so long as the the metal is kind of that glowing orange but when it cools off we have to put it back in the forge to reheat it well miss ryan's kept hitting so much so that when she was done the hammer almost kind of pulled her down and this is this is showing her but this hammer almost came down to her knees she she went as long as she could in hitting that metal and it showed that even at this point, uh, 20 to 25 years after losing her son, the deep great grief and pain that she was dealing with. And so when I think of the words of, of souls crying out for justice and the fires of justice to burn, um, that the world is about to turn, we realized that this was a turning moment for Miss Ryans and it wasn't the first one. There, we started to make this uh, a part of our events. But even though we knew it was going to be a part of the event, we never knew what it would look like and how it would act and be a part of the rest of the folks. And so if we fast forward to um, a couple years ago, this is at another event. This is Reverend Risher and um, she lost her mom and friends in the. Uh, Charleston church shooting which was uh, this past week was um, the anniversary of that shooting on June 17th and so I wanted to share her story a little bit and uh, she's going to pick up the hammer just like Miss Ryan's did but in this one she uh, calls out the names of the people who died and continues to hit and she also has kind of this moan and groan behind her words that remind me of Rachel crying out and God listening to Rachel in the wilderness uh, at the loss of her sons. So I'll play this video. It's about a minute long. Church, I thank for thank you, thank you, So it's these moments that I've really had the honor to witness as people um, experience the literal fire of God's justice burning that um, the pain that has happened in their life, the oppression that they've gone through, um, God is still somehow working to right the harm and repair the harm that has happened in their lives. Some say this song is more eschatological or like saved for in the future, sometime whenever Christ comes back more than it is some tangible thing that we can take part in now. That it's a song for, for the end uh, of this age and maybe the beginning of the next. And I believe that is in our life, we get to glimpse what this looks like. And I feel like when Miss Ryans and Reverend Risher hit that hammer, we got to see glimpses of what God's work looks like in the world. And that we get to refine ourselves, we get to refine the systems that oppress, and somehow God uses our vulnerability to our mutual benefit that refining fire does not consume us like you might think of a forest fire all-consuming but it burns away the things that are not necessary and helps us become who we are to uh, strengthen us but also to help us uh, in our work for the kingdom and so we'll close in a prayer as Jesus taught us to pray and feel free to join Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not bring us to a time of trial, but save us from the evil one. In your name we pray. Amen.